This is episode 76 of Extraordinary Women Radio. Welcome to Extraordinary Women Radio. I am your host, Cami Gilmer. Women are being called to lead with voice, vitality, and vigor. Each week, join me for wisdom-filled interviews with extraordinary women living out loud and making a difference in our world. Their stories will uplift, inspire, and spark your own purpose-driven journey. Hello, my extraordinary women friends. Today, I am thrilled to introduce you to Adrienne Manzanares, a dear friend and fellow board member of the Women's Foundation of Colorado. We just wrapped up our annual Women's Foundation of Colorado luncheon, where we hosted Billie Jean King as our keynote. Was that inspirational? It was so much fun getting to meet her. Adrian and I met as colleagues on the Women's Foundation Board, where we use the power of our community, our philanthropy, and our impact to help women thrive, which builds a more prosperous state for us all. We proudly claim Women Thriving, Colorado Rising. That's the Women's Foundation of Colorado, and I am so honored to be a part of this wonderful organization. You are going to love Adrian. She is the Chief Experience Officer at Planned Parenthood of the Rocky Mountains. She has built her career from a community organizer to her executive current role across several nonprofits. Adrian advances social justice through strong teams, community collaborations, and innovative efficiencies. I love this interview. We talk about our shared passion for uplifting women, leadership, and risk-taking. In addition to being a trustee with the Women's Foundation of Colorado, Adrian is also a fellow with the Latino Leadership Institute and member of the International Women's Forum. She is also a recipient of the 2014 Marriage Diversity Award. Let's meet Adrian Manzanares. Well, welcome to Extraordinary Women Radio, Adrian. I'm so glad to have you join us. Thank you, Cami. It's it's a real privilege to be on the call with you right now. Oh, I'm really excited to, to hear your stories and learn a bit more about you. You know, as fellow board members with the Women's Foundation of Colorado, we both share this passion for uplifting women. And what a great board we belong to, right? I mean, what a fun space to get to know each other and to get to hang out with just amazing women doing good things for our state. Absolutely. It's wonderful to see um, such a diverse group of women who all believe in the power of philanthropy and giving and women's issues. And then we get to learn so much more too about ways that were different, different experiences, different backgrounds. And I think that's pretty unique in today's world to be connected by one thing, but not always aligned all the time on everything. And you're so true. That diversity of our board is Mm -hmm. so fabulous. And it really makes it for interesting work when we're all working together to see Uh the different viewpoints that come to the table. Yeah, you bet. Yeah. And so you're doing such important work right now for for women and with Planned Parenthood, bringing voices to such important causes. Thank you for your leadership in this space. Oh, thank you. I feel so blessed to be able to work for such an incredible organization that serves healthcare to women across a four-state region. And then also, of course, in the current environment, we're seeing a lot of political dialogue happening as well. But my heart is truly in providing healthcare to women who couldn't otherwise access it. That's so important. It's so, so important. So thank you for all that you're doing. I really want to start with some of your personal stories today, Adrian. Can you tell us a bit about a defining time or situation that just really shaped your life? 
Sure. Um, it's such a wonderful question because it really makes you reflect back on those defining moments. Who am I and how did I get here? Um, and the one that comes to mind as I think about your listeners and also the women that you've interviewed in the past who are so remarkable and incredible. Um, I think about the defining moment being something where I really had to step outside of um, relying on my strengths. And so let me give you the story. Um, and, you know, we all have strengths that are very natural and we right. move up in our lives and professionally when we lean into those strengths. And I've been doing that in my career in the nonprofit sector and working with um, organizations across the state of Colorado. And then I landed a wonderful job at the Denver Foundation where I was working to help build nonprofit organizations that were led by people of color and that were um, serving people of color. And we also had grant-making dollars to support organizations that maybe were not racially diverse, but really wanted to be. So learning tools and resources and making mistakes and being okay with that and kind of moving through conflict to become more racially diverse so that you could have a really wonderful um, array of perspective within a nonprofit organization. And Cami, I was so good at that. And I love that. I love that work. It brought me joy. And I began to then also build this other muscle um, where I knew I wanted to one day move up into more of an executive leadership role. Mm -hmm. Really good at directing a specific program uh, with goals that aligned with me personally and my professional life was just driving really nicely. And then I took a, um, I don't know, a, a path that led me toward much more kind of discomfort. I was working with more diverse groups, people who may not have been like, of course, people who supported the concept of racial equity, but that may not have been their role. They were the finance committee or the investment committee, or they're looking at how to run businesses. And I, I was really stuck, I think, not having the skill set to hold back my passion and hold back my vision for the future so that I could work with others and listen more in, in rooms that I wasn't necessarily um, comfortable with because I had never been in there before. Right. And I had a remarkable CEO who invested in a professional coach for me. And um, this woman, her name is Denise Mater. She's fabulous. She fundamentally changed my path. And she... Um, and it wasn't therapy. It wasn't training. It wasn't, um, even mentoring. It was coaching mm -hmm. and she worked me. I mean, we'd have days where I was crying. Um, she brought such love and compassion to my ability to redefine my leadership style while still holding on to my skills, still holding on to my passion as a woman of color, but then really encouraging me to see beyond that and to develop different types of skills of being a better negotiator, being a better mediator, being much more patient with the change and growth in others and showing more compassion for people who may not have aligned directly with my viewpoint all the time. Right. And, um, and it was this path that led me again, away from being a really good director and a really good manager of people to um, a stumbling, growing, changing executive leader that I am now. And it was a real critical time for me to move 
through that path in that direction. What a beautiful gift to yes. to receive. Um, first of all, to have that investment in you, and to, second of all, to just know how that shaped you as a leader. So when you think about the essence of your leadership style today, what would you say that it, that mm. it is? Um, in terms of what changed from my from my like raw leadership style and what I crafted. Exactly. Yes. Sure. Good question. Um, so again, I feel really fortunate that I, I'm a very, I'm a naturally, um, gregarious person. I'm Mm -hmm. curious about people that Adrian, when she was five years old and went into a kindergarten class, Mm. made friends, you know, really easily. Uh, when I was a child, we moved around a lot as a kid and I loved that. It made it, um, I enjoy meeting new people and that really helped me professionally. Um, I was a first generation college student, Mm -hmm. grew up in poverty. So I didn't have a lot of networks or contacts. So I could very quickly make those. And I always had that. I also work really, really hard as every one of your listeners do. And certainly everyone who's been on your program. I, um, I, I pride myself on having really exceptional levels of work. So that has always served me. The areas that I really had to craft was, um, one, a sense of patience. So I, I really, I love change. I want to see change. I want to drive toward change. And that makes some people uh, just break out in hives and want to go throw up, right? (laughs) So many people, especially in a big workforce, their jobs are to maintain the status quo. That's what you hire them to do. You want them to be very good at moving quickly through processes that don't change. Thank you very much, Adrian. I'm doing just fine over here. Right. (laughs) Leave me alone. Exactly. (laughs) Go do your systems improvement somewhere else. So I, while I could be very friendly with those folks that buy the coffee, you know, and uh, I loved hearing about their grandchildren or their children. Um, The idea of working through a process change with a lot of folks who don't want change was a skill I absolutely had to develop. I would say that would be the number one piece. I was getting to a point in my earlier career of being incredibly frustrated and that would then bring out levels of my tension. Um, I think I, I I can, I just am embarrassed to think about the number of meetings that I would be in where I would like audibly sigh (laughs) when I thought (laughs) we were going to go in the direction like, Oh, we already talked about this. We're definitely moving beyond that thing and not having compassion for people who are holding on to a sense of their identity that I was at that point, ripping away from them. You know what I love about that is I think it's, it's, it's really a great thing for all of us to go back through our career and look at our leadership styles early on in our career and how it has evolved over time. And, you know, I, I can certainly go back to early days in my career and think about, oh my God, that I didn't really show up very good in that meeting. What was I thinking, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and so having that, you know, just the, that reflection is so powerful to, to, to realize how much you grow yes. over time, right? You bet. Especially if you're investing in yourself like mm-hmm. you like you have. You know, one of the things, you know, I've watched your leadership in action and I'm really always admire it. And what I, what I can see for, about you is that you see between the dots, you can you know, see what's happening between all the different people, the different conversations, and you thoughtfully guide a room 
or a really complicated discussion in such a positive way. And I think mm-hmm. that's, that's, it's such a, a beautiful thing to watch. And you really, you, you show up with such knowledge and empowered wisdom that leads a room in, in, a, in a really beautiful way. So I just want to acknowledge that. Oh, thank you so much. I have to tell you, I admire you so much. And to hear you say that is beyond a compliment. It is absolutely a gift. And it is, um, it's beautiful. And I'm blushing. You can't see me, but I'm blushing (laughs) (laughs) in part because I don't know how often I receive such perfect compliments. Mm. So pointed. Um, uh, and again, you can't see me. I, I also have a, a natural inclination to fashion. And as I said, I grew up really poor and low income. And so I pride myself on finding uh, clothes. I get a lot of hand-me-downs. I have a style. Um, and so I'm often complimented on uh, the way that a scarf may be folded or a piece of jewelry that matches with a certain pantsuit or something. And so I, I get a lot of, I get complimented a lot on um, of like a motivating conversation that I may have had with someone. And I really appreciate obviously those kinds of compliments. Um, and I realize I say thank you very quickly to those, this compliment that you just gave me for whatever reason I wanted to say, Oh no, I don't Cammy. You just saw me. <laughs> you saw me on a good day. Yeah. You should see me when I, you know, like when I'm not on my best self or whatever. And so what I had to do as you were speaking is just hold that compliment and mm. hold it in my heart and listen to it. And so I, I want to, um, I don't know. I want to thank you for giving me that gift. Oh, you bet. And I think that's, I think we all do that, right? We want to deflect those and mm. versus let them really, really receive those compliments that we receive and, mm-hmm. um, and, you know, let, the, let it soak through our body in such a beautiful way. You know, one of the things I'd love to ask you is about women in leadership right now and just the mm. perception around, um, you know, you know, the, the changing art of women in leadership. I think women are finding a space where they can be seen, they can be heard and they can show up truly as women in their voice, in their, in their bodies, if you will, mm-hmm. um, as leaders, what do you think is different about women leaders today versus women leaders 20 years ago? Um, it's funny. I'm going to do the math. I, and the first thing that came to my head were shoulder pads. Oh, totally, right? <laughs> totally. And, like and those little bows. Yes, like, oh my bows God. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so I, so, and of course we could draw a beautiful symbol and metaphor out of that. I think women now, have so much permission to be ourselves. Mm-hmm. I think that, and I really, I see, I have friends who are running their own companies out of their own homes, um, taking their kids to school. They're wearing sweatpants. They're, they're totally comfortable in whatever they got going on. And they're own, only, quote, quote, working 18 to 20 hours a week. And that's awesome. all they have to do. Isn't that awesome? And they're yes. fabulous mothers. And they're the great friends that remember to call me or send me these hilarious little texts with little gifts of puppies and little piglets to remind me that life is wonderful because I'm overworked. And I mean, they, they're the gifts of, um, I, I think of professional women, which are those professional women who have the freedom and flexibility to still fulfill an ambitious goal mm-hmm. of being in a career while also fulfilling an ambitious goal of being responsive to their family and their community and their children. And 
and, and to do that so fully. I mean, I think of companies that have always been around like Tupperware, Mary Kay, or, you know, those companies that really invited women into their smart self right. while also connecting to their heart. And I, I think that that has just blown up in the past 20 years. I'm really lucky because I get to travel, as I said, to the four states in um, my region. And so when I'm in New Mexico, I often take a lift. And so I meet these amazing lift drivers who are taking care of their family who are sick or who are getting ready for a church barbecue or who are crafting with their girlfriends later on that night. And they turn on their app and they get to get into a car and drive around and meet great people and gab at me and drop me off and they'll pick up their kids. And so the, you know, these are just examples of the way that building a professional identity has moved tremendously out of the eight to five Monday through Friday, often support staff in an office or a, even a manufacturing reality in a factory. We've blown the walls off of that and allow women to truly be themselves. And it's exciting. And I can't wait to see what you and I are going to be reflecting on 20 years from now in the way that women are showing up. Right, right. And and when you think about women in the boardroom, what what do you think women are bringing? I mean, and I totally agree. I think it's like there's, it's showing up as who we are. And how does that shift a boardroom conversation in a way that, you know, bringing the women, the, the gifts of women to the table? Yeah, I think there's a couple things. They, they did this. I quote, I quote this study, and um, we should get it up on your resources. It's really fascinating. There was a study that was done in the 80s about women in the boardrooms, mm-hmm. and of course, there were like zero women in the boardrooms. I mean, right. Um, right, you know, and this is not to politicize the topic, but there's a picture of Hillary Clinton. I think she was on the board of Walmart, and she's you can't you barely can tell that that there's a woman in the picture because it's these very kind of monolithic figures of men behind mm-hmm. her of a certain age. And, mm-hmm. and she's sitting there and she's just looks so unhappy. <laughs> and the study showed, of course, that if you have one woman that's in a corporate board, that's in a boardroom, they're miserable. Right. They, it's really, they're pretending to be something they're not. Oftentimes it's hard to get your voice in. And the fascinating thing about this study, Cammy, is that if there were two women it then became like almost competitive. They weren't necessarily working well together. There was an energy that didn't allow for a collaborative spirit. But when three women or more were able to be in a boardroom, it fundamentally shifted the dynamics. And so what that means then is that when when female energy, now this is very, very, very stereotypical. And it's very general, but it absolutely is true in my experience. When you have more of a core group of women, you inspire men to behave differently. There's more listening. There's more collaborative spirit. um, There's a lightness that sometimes comes up. And so, so there's that, there's just the, the, the perspective that comes. And then of course, if we're talking about, um, a, a woman that's in the boardroom and that morning she dropped her kids off at school. She got the air checked in her car. She visited her mother-in-law who's in assisted living. She dropped off something for a friend, <laughs> right? I mean, like totally, day, right? So over the course of that time, then what that brings then to a corporate or even a nonprofit board experience 
is that, um, oh, what do I want to say here? That lived experience brings compassion into decision making. And I think we make for better decisions with that level of compassion. Mm, I love that. I love that. Thanks for sharing that. And yes. I totally agree with you. It's, it is, I think there's, and, and you can see it in the bottom lines of, of companies that, you know, when they start tracking the ROI with women, more women at the leadership and more women on the boards, mm-hmm. you know, the ROI is better. So it's, mm-hmm. um, they are making better dis- decisions. So, and women's voices are so strong right now. What is your biggest hope for women in the world? You know, it's interesting when you prepped me with this question, a lot of images came to mind and it was the in the world piece mm-hmm. that did a couple things. Number one, it made me recognize how focused I am um, in my own sphere. And mm-hmm. I, I, I don't think internationally very often. Sometimes mm-hmm. if we're thinking about international women's health or if a fabulous speaker is coming to town or something comes up on, um, you know, talk radio or something, I may... I may know about it, but, um, so that's the one thing is that it brought such joy to think about, wow, what are we thinking about? We think about a world of women mm-hmm. coming to their own actualization and the power that that brings. So there's that. Um, so thank you for the question and thanks for making it so broad. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I would say that my hope for women in the world is that they can have the same choices and freedom and flexibility as the Lyft driver that I just described in my earlier question as the, the woman who decided she didn't want to be a parent. Instead, she wanted to start a company or the woman who decided, yeah, I want to be a parent and I want to start a company, right? I feel like in America, we have so many options at this point and they're getting better and better every day and every year as we open up forms of technology, um, whether it's for, again, our own families, our own community. There's so many different ways that we can connect with each other. And so I guess my, my hope for women in the world is that that level of privilege and benefits and freedom and flexibility to really actualize ourselves expands around the globe. I love that. And I love the the focus on choice because I do see that, you know, that choice, just as you, you know, you said, there's so many different ways that women can, um, you know, design their life, design the way they work, design the way they show up every single day. It's, 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 um, that that's evolving and it's changing. And I think, you know, as you said, technology certainly makes that, that different for us. Um, and I think the awareness that's going on, um, amongst women that there are other choices, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, so it is, it is an evolving thing. So it's, it's exciting time right now to be a woman, I think. I totally agree. I totally, even just, Cammie, just the fact that you and I are having this conversation right now. Right. I mean, number one, it's just such a joy. Um, and what a tremendous benefit this would be if women across the world could just sit and talk with someone they admire and have a conversation. It's, it's, it's a real gift. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. That's, that's a great wish for the women in the world. Yeah. Have, <laughs> have a, a conversation with people that you admire. I mean, that's a beautiful thing. Yeah. Hmm. So let's talk about fear and self-doubt and uncertainty. Sure. I mean, it's something that we all come across, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I come across it on a probably daily basis. Mm-hmm. Can you share a time where in your career where you really felt some, some strong uncertainties, but you pushed through it anyway with, you know, found your courage, found, mm-hmm. and just were persistent through it. What mm-hmm. happened? Mm-hmm. This question, um, was really challenging for me, which I think makes me realize how blessed I am. Mm -hmm. And so, um, 
and I was trying, so just to say that it, I really had to sit with this and, mm-hmm. and I think, and we'll talk about this probably later in our conversation, but again, I've been really blessed with a lot of mentors and a very supportive family from my mom to my husband. I mean, my, my network is so strong and I get, and also I'll say, I think I'm just genetically inclined and very get left lucky to have been born with a deep sense of happiness and confidence. Mm -hmm. And so when I think to the moment to a time when that was shattered or questioned, or I didn't feel like I had inner strength or I had a lot of self doubt, it came at a time and I'm, I'm going to try to, um, explain this in a way that is not political. Cause I don't think it's a political. <laughs> yeah. right. I know. I know. I'm trying. I really truthfully, I, do, I whether you're a Democrat or a Republican or you're just not into politics at all, there was a beautiful promise that this country was going to have our first female president. Mm-hmm. And, oh, I just got goosebumps all over my body to think about what that would mean for little girls to just be like, oh yeah, I could be president. Right. And I think that we say that. I, th- I mean, we were saying that when I, I'm 40 years old. When I was little, people were like, Adrian, you could be president one day, which I just, I, you know, I think we never really considered that. And then we had this moment and I remember the morning after the election results and I had this feeling, Cammie, that America had voted against me, that mm. all everything I ever worked for, everything I lived for, the community I came from, the friends that I had, the school my children went to, the street that I walked down, um, literally the dry cleaner that I go to, uh, the, every, the, the women who come and clean my house, that all of the things, all of my connection points are the most intimate, like my family to the most largest community level were not real or had been shattered or, um, weren't enough, or that there was a big no, that, uh, that, that the country had said to the whole statement of who we all were. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. It was devastating. I still, I'm just now coming out of it. Like what was a fog and a bit of, I'll be honest, a bit of a depression and a bit, and I don't use that word lightly, please know that it was definitely a bit of being very low right. and, and it kind of carried with me. And, and now, I mean, I, I definitely to have that memory come up in preparation for the interview, I it almost feels a little ridiculous as I look back on like, I didn't want to go to work that day. I, it, I couldn't. It was that heavy. It was heavy. Mm-hmm. And my husband said, um, he gave me, I don't even remember. I should have wrote it down. They were really perfect words of encouragement. I mean, he knew better than to try to like raw, raw, it's all going to be okay. Mm-hmm. But he said, you know, every day where you go out and you do your work, you're making a statement and that that's enough. That is more than enough. Every day you're making a statement and, and just by you doing that, that is a statement and that helped. And so the question um, that you asked had this lofty, beautiful word about courage and what is the courage of this, you know, when, when you take risks and, um, I do think that there is that day um, I felt I had to overcome a deep feeling of insecurity and a deep feeling that I wasn't good enough and be create like, courageous in that moment. Um, and so it's funny. And I, and I hope that's my lifetime story that I get to tell, but I wonder if there'll be 
other examples that I moved to. Sure, sure. And it's like, it's that, that, you know, no matter how down you feel in that moment to, to pick back up and keep moving forward is what your, what the story is, right? Yes. I mean, that's, yes. That is, it's like, it was a low day. It was a low moment. It was a low point in time, but that, that, okay, I, I've got work to still do and to keep going forward and stepping forward into it t- does take a lot of courage. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So when you, what, what resources, I mean, your husband, certainly, um, what do you rely on when you're feeling down like that? I mean, what's, what, what lifts you up? Yeah. Good question. Um, I, I, so <laughs> coming out of that story, when I, when I was in a time where I, I realized the current resources I had were not enough. Um, I went to a healthcare professional and I spoke really honestly about a feeling of not wanting to get up in the morning. Mm-hmm. And this, I had about two weeks of um, being so low and taking my kids to school and coming back and taking a nap before going to work and sleeping. And I, and I, and I have so much tremendous respect for people who live with, 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 with some kind of mental illness or mental strain where they have a common experience of feeling hopeless. Mm -hmm. I feel so lucky that that is not me. Uh And so to have experienced even the breath, I don't even want to, I, I don't want to dishonor folks who struggle with depression because what I experienced was not that, but it was a feeling of hopelessness. And so I went to my um, primary care provider. My physician is amazing. She Mm. sat and she talked with me and she listened to me and she said, okay, well, you're not, you don't, you're not really depressed. So you're not getting on any meds. She said, um, you need to get totally off social media, like completely off social media. Mm -hmm. And, um, that's it. That's true. I mean, we, when things are just really cycling, it can be, it's, it's not a good space to be. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and that's like, it, it was, it, it wasn't a good space. I've reclaimed it sort of, but I really, well, so the social media piece, that was a, that was her piece of advice. Second piece of advice. She was like, Adrian, tell me what, tell me what books you're reading. Cause I read lots of books and shit. And I said, I, and it's a beautiful book. I can't remember. I think it's called 1942. I said, I'm reading a book about, um, FDR, re, his refusal, refusal to liberate the, um, of the concentration camps and how long it took him to understand that Jews were being massacred in world war two. Mm-hmm. And she's like, okay, stop reading that book. <laughs> <laughs> Go find some happy books. Yes, she's like, I only want you reading fiction. Enough. Yes. Your job is overwhelming. You are totally involved in so many things. I want you reading fiction. So lift and- your imagination. <laughs> exactly. You know, the fun play comes. Yeah. Through, right? Yeah. Yeah. So the resources there went to a great health provider, care provider, told her honestly about my moods and the way I was feeling when I, and I felt again in those moments of just complete blah, complete, I was trying to train for a marathon. I had no energy. And so she walked out and she said, Oh, you know what? She came back into the exam room and she said, I want to test your thyroid. Because what you're describing to me, maybe some, and sure shooting, Cammy, my thyroid's all jacked up. Uh, so she got me. I get that. Mine bed, goes that way, right? Yeah. So I've got like, so the whole point of the story around resources is that in the in some of the lowest times, in the lowest time of experience professionally, I was so honest with my doc, and um, 
I, I think hopefully at some point I would have diagnosed or figured out that my thyroid was all messed up, but I was trying to hide that in some ways and convince myself that I was just tired or, um, I don't know. I don't, I had all these ways of convincing myself and trying right. to figure out why I was feeling the way I was. And, and, and she found it out for me. She's helped me solve this problem that fortunately is not that big of a deal. I have to take a pill every day. Like it's, you know, we're going to solve it. She helped me think about fiction and reading fiction. <laughs> and so I think of that as a resource in terms of like a hidden, invisible, wonderful resource that I kind of was using, but I didn't see her in a way. Um, I, it was, again, it was like an, a hidden um, what's the word I want to say? An unexpected joy that came out of that particular resource. And I suspect your listeners and you also, there's, they're all around the corner just waiting right. for us. You know, We just and, have to share, right? Yeah, We have to open up and be yes. vulnerable about, you know, well wherever you happen to be at some point and people yes. are going to yes. have ideas and thoughts. Uh-huh. Nice. Nice. So who are some of the people who have made a positive impact on your professional life? Um, oh, I'm so lucky. I could talk your whole show about all the folks. There's so many people. Um, and I'll tell you, I feel really lucky because they were always my bosses. Mm. So I've always had a phenomenal boss. And um, so you've made good choices in choosing yeah, bosses. <laughs> and they found me too, right? Like, right, exactly. Um, so I would say, let's see. Um, what, well, my first coming out of college, there was a man named Steve Graham. He has um, since passed away, which was a devastating loss for me, as you can imagine. And he saw something in this young 20-year-old um, and threw me in the deep end with meetings with funders and um, going and talking with folks who were – their titles and their power was so far ahead of where I was going to be in decades, right? And um, – he introduced me as a peer. He really relied on my experience. He understood my cultural um, differences. So for example, he was Jewish and he had a very set kind of um, way of thinking about time mm -hmm. and wanting to be really understanding of people's times. And in my family, you know, biracial Latina, my mom is Cajun. Our sense of time is very casual. It's very relational. Uh, you know, I don't have any issues with time. I'm not stressed out by time, which means I'm causing stress all the time on other people because <laughs> mm -hmm. I'm late or I forgot this thing or I double booked or I said yes when I shouldn't have. And I absolutely still struggle with that, particularly in high stress times. Mm -hmm. But I've come such a long way with that. And Steve could help me better understand that professionally time has a symbol and it means something different in a professional world than it may for a family or communal space. Mm -hmm. so I really appreciate that gift. And, you know, that's just one example of other kind of, I use the word boss, but, um, I don't know a better word for it. He was, he was a great mentor to you. Mentor. And it's what, yeah. what, as you're describing what he did, it's a great lesson for all of us to really think about how are we helping people along um, in our communities, you know, are we get, are we stretching them in their in in, in what, where the positions that we're putting them into? Are mm -hmm. we, you know, enabling them to grow and really trusting that that you know, sh letting them show up beside us as a peer? I think that's a beautiful thing. It's mm, awesome. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, the final question I want to end with today is: What three pearls of wisdom can you leave with our audience today? Oh boy. 
Um, I, there's a couple things. Um, well, there's three. <laughs> that's, that's, that's there's a few things. Um, the one, so again, in preparing for this interview, the first thing that popped into my head was how important my physical health is to me. Mm. And I have to tell you, Cammie, I felt a little nervous or embarrassed to say that um, because I didn't want to get into body shaming and I didn't want to get into any kind of a fitness coaching dialogue about health and, um, and but you're I, an avid runner, right? I am. Yes. <laughs> what, this is part of who you are and it makes you healthy. Yes. Exactly. Thank you for giving me permission to say that. Yes. I really, I, I don't love getting up and going to go for a run. I don't love getting up and going to work out. I don't even enjoy it even like 20 minutes into it. Sometimes I was in a cycle class this morning on a bicycle yawning audibly, huge lion yawns (laughs) on my bike for literally half an hour, half an hour. yawning. But I wanted to be crisp and prepared for this interview. I have so many important projects at work that are just, just being born and coming into fruition. And there's such a, sensitive time. And, and I want to be prepared for the stress of my staff when, when change happens. And I want to be on for my kids and I want to be a great wife and a good mom. And all of that means I work out. And, And I think for women going for a walk, taking your dog with you, instead of happy hours with girlfriends, or maybe not instead of, maybe rotating a walk with a friend, always have your glass of wine for sure. If that's what you like, I'm not going to say don't drink. Um, But for me, it's also recognizing that it's so much easier to leave the office and go grab happy hour with girlfriends. And that feels really good that night. But in the morning, it didn't feel as good if I had just said, you want to go to the park and let's just walk. And so I think some women, I admire women who are really, really, really good at that. And I think I'm working towards that. And maybe I am one of those women, but I would say you could start it at any level. The people who I admire and respect who are highly successful, who are in strong, healthy relationships, take care of their physical body and in whatever way that means. And, and, yes. and sometimes it's eating, sometimes it's sleeping, sometimes it's maybe not drinking or whatever it may be. I also say a huge component of that is physical activity. Um, so that's the first, I think, most important wisdom pieces, the little pearl that I would give to somebody to keep doing what you're doing, accelerate it a little bit if you want. And if you haven't started yet, just start. It's yes. Just start to move toward that greatness. I like um, that. The other, the other piece is um, similar to what my story around talking with my doctor about changes in my, in my behavior, changes in my body, changes in my attitude. This also has a physicality about it. Um, you know, I was starting to gain weight in weird ways, and I just blamed it that I was just turning 40. And she, my doc, was like, Adrian, no, you don't just start gaining weight. <laughs> like right. something changed, something mm-hmm. happened. Let's explore that. And so I, I, I just to say in terms of a, a piece of advice or a little piece of wisdom that I, that I hold on for myself and that I would share with others is to talk very openly about 
what's going on with your physical body and talk with your doc about it. And some people may have been raised in an environment where you do that already. You're actively advocating for yourself. But we, I just wasn't taught that naturally. We didn't have health insurance. We didn't see dentists. We didn't see doctors. If we did, we paid cash for my brother's broken arm, right? It was only emergency. Mm-hmm. And so I think um, a, an important piece of self-care, I made myself this week call the dentist to make an appointment for my dentist appointment yes. because I hadn't done it. And I, it didn't, it didn't even occur to me like, okay, that's my own self-care. I need to get to the dentist. Right. right? So anyway, so that would be the second one is to just lean on those professional healthcare providers in whatever way makes the most sense and to fire them. If you don't like them, like yes. if it's not working out, go find someone else. And I bet she's a woman and she's waiting for you. And she's <laughs> wonderful. Go, and, you know, find that really excellent healthcare provider. Um, and then my, my third one is all about rest and all about the beauty of nothing and the, the sitting and waiting and watching and unplugging and doing nothing. And, um, that I'm, is, I've got it. I'm just like sinking into my chair. Like, oh, oh this is so good. <laughs> I am really bad at that. Cami. I am, even when I'm planning for the nothing, I'm planning for the nothing. Yes, right? I, hear you. <laughs> I totally hear you. Uh-huh. I've so, been, you know, doing more, doing more meditation and mm-hmm. I, and I can do it for some days. I can do it just really beautifully. And then other days my mind is going a million miles an hour and it's like, okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I love that. I think and, that's a really beautiful one. And I think, I, I mean, and all of the, those are very good self-care, you know, paying attention to your body, paying attention to your mind, paying, you know, just really taking care of ourselves in, 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 in a good way. Because when we do that, we can go do the things that we're meant to be doing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yes. Well, this has been so much fun. I've so enjoyed having this conversation with you and uh, thank you for spending time with me today. Oh, Cami, I am so grateful for the invitation just to be invited. It was such, such a wonderful, wonderful honor. So thank you very much. And of course, thank you so much to your listeners who somehow found connection and joy to listen to all or bit of this wonderful conversation. I, I am already so excited to listen to it again and again in five years or 10 years, or, (laughs) you know, that'll be interesting to see how my own opinions change and how the perspective of where I am now will change over time as well. Absolutely. Well, thank you. You have a great day. Thank you so much, Kenny. I hope you liked this episode of Extraordinary Women Radio. If you did, please share this podcast with your own special tribe of women and help spread the love, the dreams, and the inspiration. Are you thinking about making the next bold move in your life? I invite you to take the Your Next Bold Move quiz at CammieGellner.com to find out how you can jumpstart a passionate and meaningful next chapter. You may also enjoy my book, Fire Dancer, Your Spiral Journey to a Life of Passion and Purpose, which is available on Amazon. In Fire Dancer, you will become intimately connected to your heart's calling and build the courage and resiliency to ignite your what's next. I'd love to hear from you on any of my social media channels. I'm on both Facebook and Twitter, and the links are available on my website. Till next time, my friend, listen to your heart, follow your dreams, and be you.